welcome to another episode of Chatty Broads with Becca and Jess. Hello. Hi, Broads. So this is kind of a fun special episode. Yes. Um, if you recall, recently we had our first live event. Yes, and we, we did. did it with Peanut. Yes. The amazing app. Yeah. So that was our first live. We got it recorded and we thought we'd share it with all of you. Yeah. We've been getting a lot of DMs asking, like, can we listen? Can we listen? And at first we we're like, oh, I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. Yeah. Um, we wanted to make sure it went okay. Yes. <laughs> so we're like, yes. what if the first live show is a disaster? It could have been, but no. It could have been, but, it we, but it went really well and we had some amazing broads out and um, we wanted to share it with you we yes peanut is a, mo- a mom app but we just talk a lot about sex in general I and think once again it's applicable for a, a lot of people not just moms yes and um, we have some fun times share some embarrassing stories but yeah enjoy enjoy i think this is a i think this is a good one thank you guys so much for coming oh my yes, god thank you so much <laughs> this is actually our very first live event show podcast thank you so much peanut for putting this on for us yes thank you so much um peanut is something that i know you told me about which was amazing so give us a little blurb if the mamas don't know so peanut is kind of like tinder but for moms so you can go through a bunch of different mom profiles have your own up they'll match you with moms that are in your area that have similar likes and dislikes and you can chat you can ask questions you don't have to meet up with anybody if you don't want to do that but it's a great way to connect and especially if you're moving to a new area or you've just become a mom both those things can be really isolating. And it's one of those so. things that, like, I wish that I would have had because I was in a new city, like, very much alone, in my cave, very afraid. What is this new body? What is this new world? And uh, and if I would have had Peanut at the time, like, it really would have been a game changer for me. But now we have all of you guys yeah. <laughs> that I can yeah. talk to and vent to um, on the podcast. So when we initially talked to Peanut um, about doing this event, it was like, all right, what are we going to talk about? Loneliness with moms, mm-hmm. you know, but we saw that one of the biggest topics on the discussion boards was always the same thing. It's all about sex. It's always sex. <laughs> and it's, I think it's something that everybody wants to talk about, but a lot of people don't feel comfortable. I mean, thankfully, now we're in an age where people feel more comfortable opening up, talking about sex, and having real honest conversations. Right. But, but even like our own podcast, whenever we've had our sex episodes, it's We get like, a ton of clicks. Like it's everyone's always like, the highest views. I'm like, all right, I see all of you. Yeah. <laughs> I know what you want to hear about. But it's crazy because it's not even something, too, that when we post about it or we have a podcast um, about sex it's not like we get necessarily tons of um reposts there's almost like this weird like okay especially if you're a mom is it weird like I'm a mom and I'm gonna post about the fact that I'm listening to like a tantric episode right it's kind of like a like a shameful thing for some reason and yet you know before mama before you became a mom oh what was your sex life like (laughs) before you became a mom a lo- I mean, honestly, pregnancy, I know some people were like, oh my gosh, when I was pregnant, like I was getting it on all the time. I felt so sexy, but it changed our sex life a lot, like in not, in, in not so great way. I do think that our situation in particular was a little bit different because, um, you know, we had an unplanned pregnancy and with that comes a lot of stress. And I think one of the biggest like libido killers, not just for women, but also for men can be stress and it was like not a fun situation for us it wasn't like this thing that we were like oh my gosh finally like we've created life it was kind of and I know your situation was similar we haven't really touched on this so much yet it was like like so much of a I mean I was shocked don't get me wrong like I was like six years worth of birth control every single day like one day Evan and I'll have a baby and then you know pee on a stick like just for fun it wasn't like I didn't think yeah no I did not think I was pregnant I really did Oh, yeah, you didn't you, how often did you take a pregnancy test while you were on birth control? Mm, maybe about like once every 3 months for 6 years. <laughs> Cuz it was just like, you know, your body's like when you're on birth control, like your period gets all funky and weird and so I was like, I guess I just better make sure. So normally I would just It like, was just a routine check. Right, it was like it was my typical like I was literally flipping through a people magazine just like, oh, whatever, peed on the stick, like keep flipping through, check it two hard lines. Ugh. And I'm like, 
I, like you dead. were probably thinking like what about those tequila shots I was throwing that's back the only like thing last I was thinking night about. Yeah. that's the only yeah. thing I was thinking about I was like oh my god how much have I been drinking for the past like six weeks like I was so scared yeah and then I ran downstairs literally like we were in a loft situation at the time and so it was all open and I came it's like dramatic, dramatic like gone with the wind the like stairs. Evan's at the bottom of the stairs and I am like sobbing to the point that he thinks someone has died. He's like, what phone call? Like, what did you get? And I'm like, I just died, Evan. I'm going to be a mom now. Like, you're going to be a dad. Our life is over. Like, I was so... No, don't don't get me wrong. We wanted to have a baby, but it just wasn't in the cards at the moment. And I was worried just like... We've got a lot of messages, and we have received a lot of messages from people who haven't had children yet, saying, like, when you have a baby, does everything change in your relationship? And the answer is mostly yes I mean there are some things that will that won't change and then there's a lot that you don't expect to change that does yes um but yeah I I think so our sex life changed a lot okay when we got pregnant um and mainly I think it was emotional but a lot of it was physical too and especially like in the first half of pregnancy people don't really talk about this part where if you've been pregnant, you know. Other people can't tell that you're pregnant yet. Oh my gosh, that's the worst part. Or they might think it, but they're definitely not. You're not at the stage where people can be like, oh, are you pregnant? Like, right. you're kind of not. Like acting the, a little awkward around it, you. Exactly. Sure, sure, they don't sure, want to sure. ask. Yeah. You, you never <laughs> ask. You never ask a pregnant woman, by the way. Even if she's eight months pregnant, don't you don't say, say, are anything. you pregnant? You don't wait for her it. to bring it up first. Uh-huh. Just don't. Don't do it. Just don't, don't do, do it. it. Yeah. But, um,. Yeah, so that was really weird going through those changes in my body and just feeling not like myself. Mm -hmm. And I remember even looking at photos of myself like when I was six or seven months pregnant from before. And I was like, I used to look like that. It felt like a totally different person. It was very odd. And before you got pregnant, were you in gray like... Oh, what was our sex life? I mean, yeah, we had been dating for two months. We had been dating for two months. It's fresh. It's fresh. Yeah, of course. So like in your, especially in your first six months of dating, you're having sex like three times a day. Mm -hmm. And when you have like nothing else to do, you're just like, let's lay in bed. This is the one thing I did not know. (laughs) Dude, this is like the biggest thing about having a baby. I was telling Grayson the other day, I was like, we do more now than before we had a kid. Like we get outside more. And you know why? Because so we more. can't lay on the couch all day smoking weed, watching TV. <laughs> which I was mean, like, you could technically, I mean, but probably not could, a great but idea. But it's like, you know, you have to be playing with her, like holding her, walking around. Like it's not fun to just sit around and watch TV all day. Like it's not, it's not like you can just veg out. I mean, you can, but you can't. So it's like, I do more now. And and so, yeah, before we'd just be like laying around in bed, like let's sleep in till 11, like yeah. let's order breakfast in, let's have sex once, twice, whatever, right. let's take a shower and I have sex after. I think the availability of like foreplay is a thing totally. that's much easier before you have a baby because when, once you have a baby and you're like, okay, well, I have to really schedule things before when you are just laying around you can like slowly start to like kiss and roll around and then like maybe stop if you want to or like make mm-hmm. it go forward, like whatever. And so I feel like you're just organically having sex more often. Well, also do you feel a sense of urgency? Cause I know I feel that now, oh, like if now? she's napping or if she's like, okay or whatever, I'm just like, we well, got to make this in less than 12 minutes. Oh like- yeah. I, yeah, no, the long sessions don't happen very no. often anymore. No. It's like, all right, Ember is watching a show, which we were <laughs> occupied for about 10 minutes, so we're locking the bathroom for a minute. She's yeah. safe, she's good, we're going to go have sex. Don't mind us as we pause for one moment to talk to you about a company that both Becca and I live for. Well, eat for. Oh, eat, yes. Eat with, actually. Eat, yes. It's Daily Harvest. Daily Harvest. And we cannot get enough. Daily Harvest delivers thoughtfully sourced, chef-crafted food that is built on fruits and vegetables and can be prepared in less than five minutes. You have more than 65 different options, like ready-to-blend smoothies, refreshing chilled soups, and savory harvest bowls. I think we typically connect convenient food to junk food. Um, like, if it's super easy to throw together or grab, it must be unhealthy. But Daily Harvest is quite the opposite all of daily harvest ingredients are sourced and selected for maximum nourishment and peak season flavor and everything stays fresh in your freezer until you're ready to eat it this is a dream for a working mom stay-at-home mom college student employee literally anyone who's on the go and looking to eat healthy food each daily harvest cup takes one step to repair with room for customization 
Add your favorite milk to a smoothie and blend or heat a harvest bowl and top it with avocado or fried egg. Oh my gosh. And they have this tomato and bell pepper chilled gazpacho soup that is perfect for those warm summer nights that have finally hit us. Thank you, Los Angeles. It's finally warm. Oh, and their mango and turmeric chia bowl. Ugh. I'm drooling right now. Daily Harvest single serving cups are the ultimate grab and go meal or snack. So you can get a dose of nourishing fruits and vegetables at any time of day. Go to dailyharvest.com and enter promo code chatty to get three free in your first box. That's promo code chatty for three free daily harvest cups at dailyharvest.com. That's dailyharvest.com. But I, yeah, I mean, I feel like when, when Evan and I first, uh, were together we were having a lot of sex and it was amazing we were just i don't know we've always been like very much into each other in that way so it was like we were doing we were doing crazy. we're both very sexy people we're, and we're just like <laughs> we're both very attractive so we're all over each other all the time naturally <laughs> But, you know, it's a thing. It was like we, it's like young love, too. He was like, he was my first. So it was like, oh, my God, mm-hmm. we're having all the sex when we first got together. Um, you know, in like elevators and like wild. Oh, my weird- God. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that was the fun. The mo- I think that was our weirdest spot. Anyways. Um, but then all of a sudden you have you have a baby and I'm kind of like, I, I'm literally like triggered thinking about this. And I, I told Evan about this on the way here. And I'm like, I haven't shared this with anyone ever. So I'll just share it with, you know, a room I'm full of my new so friends. I'm so excited. <laughs> so once the baby came, like, we've talked about this on our podcast before, that I was very nervous to have sex for the first time. I mean, rightfully so. You really... I think, I think most people are. It's, like, very scary. And, like, I had a few stitches. So I was like, they're going to come unravel. Like, I was just so paranoid. Well, yeah, they told me to keep my legs closed, like, literally keep my legs closed for as long as possible, like, for the first Excuse couple weeks. Excuse me? Yeah, my midwife... <laughs> no, my midwife was like, you don't want to, like, like getting in and out of bed. You don't want to, like, st- like straddle too far apart because your stitches could split. Oh, my God, I'm so glad someone didn't say that to me. I would have been even more So I was, like, Yeah, so I was literally, like, you know, just walking yeah, around like this. Yeah, the last thing like, that you want, like, coming near you, it's like, well, if, like, ugh. opening my legs too wide is going to make it break. Like, having sex is definitely going <laughs> to make it break. Yeah, I was so, I was so wigged out. And then we finally ended up having sex, and it wasn't nearly as painful as I thought it was going to be. No. It was a little How bit uncomfortable. Well, I had to wait. Because I went in and they were like, you're still not good to go. And I like had to, you know, do like the walk, the opposite of the walk of shame back to the house and be like, Evan, sorry, we still get sex. <laughs> I know we haven't had sex for months because like once I hit seven months pregnant, I was like, stay away. Well, like I was just not in the you? zone. Okay. Oh, I, yeah, no. I was definitely like enjoying my own time. Yeah. You, I, you, you're, you know, you get all wound up when you're pregnant, but yeah. I just felt so uncomfortable in my body at a certain point that I was just like, no. And he understood. God bless. Were um, you guys, wait, I just have a quick question. Yeah. Like, so how many, wait, how many weeks was it until they gave you the go ahead? Um, I think it was like nine or 10. Okay. So yes. were you guys doing other stuff before then? Yeah, for sure. You're like anal all the time. Every single day. <laughs> Um, no, but like we were definitely like, you know, you have that moment and we've talked about it before. Oh yeah. You have that moment like right after your postpartum that like your endorphins and like euphoria is kind of through the roof and you can all of a sudden get like super sexual. Well, yeah. And I think we've talked about this too. Your, your partner is there with, if they were there with you at the birth, they're kind of like in awe of you and they're just like my child and like, right. you know, like my woman who did this you're for me. You're so like, in love with each other. Yeah, exactly. I was, Even if you I didn't wasn't like the guy, you're that. in love with him for like the first like month, you know, yeah. and then it can change swiftly. But, um, <laughs> but I think, yeah, for, for us, it was like, it was about 10 weeks so we had sex the first time and it was like, Oh, this was, this wasn't as difficult or like painful as I thought it was going to be. And, um, and so I decided, I'm like, you know what? Mama hasn't been out of the house at all. <laughs> I wasn't like Becca. So there's, no, you but know. you also did not have a baby like, I mean, you know, yes. Ruth and Ember, Ember are very is, different. Ember um, was like a, a colic 
precious little monster. Like I feel horrible, but like that girl was rough. Like she's still a tornado, but you know, when she was first born, like the colic was really, really bad for like six, seven months. So I was just inside. So I finally was like, we've had sex. I'm going to venture outside. I was just like (laughs) the light of day. Peeking out of the curtains. (laughs) I'm like, I'm like grown a tail. I'm like fully like a creature coming out. Um, But I'm like, okay, you know what I'm going to do is I'm going to go, I'm going to take my little one to Nordstrom's and I'm going to go get some lingerie and surprise my husband like I you know I don't fit my my, my rack is huge oh yeah you th- I thought my boobs were going to be like triple d forever and then immediately they're like back to normal yeah but. like now I miss them at the time I was like get these things out of here and I'm like oh um but so I had them like I gotta get new I gotta get new uh, uh lingerie also like the ass has like tripled I still have like my baby belly going on like I need you know the, like a thong or something it doesn't fit so go to Nordstrom's and I have Ember, and I'm, like, going through the lingerie section, and all of a sudden, Ember starts bawling. I'm like, okay, I got to feed her. So I feel myself let down, and I realize I don't have breast pads on, so the top is just soaking wet. Especially in, like, those first couple months before things have evened out, you're just, like... I, I didn't th- I didn't think I could dr- like literally dripping like puddles on the floor. Oh yeah, dripping actually. But that's not an exaggeration. No, literal puddles. Yeah. And so I'm just dripping all over the place. Ember's sobbing, so I'm like, okay, I gotta find a place to like sit down so I can feed her because at the time I hadn't like figured out how to like wear her and feed her. I'm like a new mom vibes, and um, and so then as I'm trying to find a place, all of a sudden I feel like on the side of me that she must have leaked out of her diaper because there's pee like all over than my side. Now, that's not the bad part. <laughs> at some point... You're just covered in fluids. I'm soaking wet. Point. And it gets worse because at some point, I don't know, maybe any moms, I, I'm not like an odd one at this. I, I don't know if this is a thing. But the feeling of letting down and her like hot pee on me no. and my open, like newly fresh stitched vagina, I just wet myself. No! Fully peed. I'm in linen pants <laughs> in Nordstrom. Are you fucking serious? Soaking wet. I heard like this you story can literally too, obviously. see like a full wet spot just like dripping down. So I'm now like actually soaking. Was it just because you were like I'm? You were you just stressed? I have and, no like, idea. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. But I'm literally. Yeah. I'm trying to like picture in my head if you're just like rushing to do things and all of a sudden you're like whoops. Like, I like I like the pelvic control is like not yeah. there anymore, so it's just like I'm soaked there, and so I'm standing here like in the lingerie section, covered in her pee and my own pee. Oh my and god! Milk. And I was. Were just there like, people around? I mean, yeah, it's it's Nordstrom. No, I know, but I'm like. <laughs> I'm like, is this Nordstrom's at 3 p.m. on Saturday? Uh, or is this like at 8 a.m. Oh, on no, a there Tuesday? There definitely you know? a like, lot of people there. So I'm like shuffling out. Like, and of course so, she's screaming, so everyone's she's looking. She's screaming, so everyone's looking at me. I'm like, I'm not going to like go find a, a, like I need to feed her, but like I don't, I don't want to sit in my own urine, but like I guess I have to. So Just I grab like, a I, pair I, of pants I, off the rack. No, and- I literally like went back into my car. I'm like crying. I get in my car. I just take my pants off. Feed her and drive home naked, <laughs> like to bottom naked. I mean, luckily it was only like a five, six minute drive. But I was that was like that moment of I'm like, oh my god, I remember when Evan and I used to have sex in an elevator. <laughs> oh my god. But can I tell you a pro tip? So yes, you know how please. you wet your pants. One time, um, this isn't a mom story, but in seventh grade, I peed my pants laughing at a baseball game, and. <laughs> My friend was really funny and I peed myself. (laughs) And so what I did is I went into the bathroom, took off my shorts and wet all of them and wrung them out in the sink and then put them back on fully wet. So then no one could tell that there was a color difference. So next time. If I would have had seventh grade Becca with me, I would have been good to go. (laughs) Next time, just dip those linen pants in the sink and you're good to go. No one will know. Um, (laughs) Point of the story um, is that there, there is the, yeah, I mean, that's the moment. It's a change, but the baby gets older. 
life gets back to normal. But sex kind does of, look yeah. different. Well, I just want to... So so you just said life gets back to normal. I just wanted to talk real quick about the definition of postpartum because a lot of people, I think, associate postpartum with postpartum depression. So I even remember we were talking, you were like, oh, I didn't have postpartum or, you know, you just shortened it to postpartum. And then it got me thinking, like, every woman who's had a baby, not only do they go through postpartum, we are always in postpartum because the definition... Let me get the technical definition, which I really like, actually. Um, The definition is following childbirth. So really, for the rest of your life, you are postpartum. And I don't know. I kind of like that. Like, I guess you could look at it. (laughs) Did it say you couldn't find the rest of your life? The rest of your life. (laughs) What does that mean? Oh no, the rest of my life changed when I, I had you. a baby. <laughs> what on? That was really weird. Um, but no, like things do shift forever and it's about finding your new normal. Yeah. And that can be really hard. We got a lot of questions uh, yeah, related to like how do you handle those kind of changes? Yeah. Um, I think so much of it too, like you said, like if you're now, if the rest of your life, you're going to be technically postpartum and that's including your sex life. It's like, listen, yes, your sex life is going to look different, but that's just life in general. Yeah. Like, can you imagine if your relationship with your parents stayed the same way, like from when you were five years old to now, like That'd be weird. moms to like packing your lunches and like changing you and like, I mean, it, this is like the life has, has different, it progresses. Yeah. It progresses. Yeah. So like your sex life is going to do the same thing. It doesn't mean that it's going downhill. It doesn't mean that it's worse. It just is going to have to look different. Well, and the point. funny thing about a sex life after uh, children, it doesn't even so much, I think have to do with the act itself or yes. like your body. I mean, sometimes it does. Um, but it's more of life that's going on around you when you're trying to have sex. I yes. feel that changes things. It's more of the environment around you that changes versus yourself. Because there's a lot of me where I'm like, I still feel the same. Like, I still feel like me, Absolutely. like how I did a year ago. But yeah. now my situation has changed and yes. my love for this person has changed. And, you know, also my relationship with Grayson has changed in a lot of positive ways. But but also there's a new kind of relationship where we're not just boyfriend and girlfriend. We're now also mom and dad with shared responsibilities and and that can be make it 10 times more romantic. Yeah, it really can. Yeah. yeah, it can make things more romantic and and it also is like a shared experience that that binds you together. But can you talk a little bit about you we were sort of talking about it before about changes in libido cuz a lot of we get a lot of questions about that. Sure. And you were talking about <laughs> how things changed at a certain point and then they changed again and then they changed again. Can you talk about that? Yes. So that was one, again, that was one of our biggest questions is people are a lot of women going like, Hey, hold on a second. Like I still want to be sexual, but all of a sudden my libido is like crashed. What am I supposed to do? And this doesn't just have to do with motherhood either. This is just life in general. I I think that's something. In fact, I had a friend message me uh, about one of our motherhood episodes and she was saying, um, I'm not a mom, but I've experienced a huge libido shift in the past two months and it's been devastating. That was the word that she used. I've talked about in one of our podcasts that I had a huge libido shift when I started taking medication for my bipolar. It was like all of a sudden I went from being like some like wild cat to having like no sex drive and that's you know difficult for a relationship like how do you navigate that when your partner is used to something else. Um well, and also sometimes it's not even so much about your partner because a lot of times partners can be really accommodating, but sure. about your own pride and expectations for yourself. Absolutely. And sometimes that's the hardest part where, yes. like you said, you're like, I used to be this way. Yes. I used to do this three times a day. I used to, you know. Right. So there's there's a constant conversation, not only on like the discussion boards, but just in general, like you flip open a Cosmo and like Cosmo tells you like, this is the average amount of times that people have sex as couples every week. And we get a lot of questions like, how many times a week do you guys have sex? What's normal? Blah, blah, blah. We both agree that that's just an unhealthy perspective. Totally. Your body, your sex drive, your life is your relationship. Your relationship. We all have different brains, different bodies. Like, that's going to be crafted just to you. So it really doesn't matter if your best friend has sex three times a week with her partner. That's not what you need to compare yourself to because you're very different. You might be 
more sexual or less sexual. You also might go through ups and downs, like we were saying. Yeah, so, and your relationship with your current partner might be different than an old one. And exactly. I've struggled with that too sometimes of comparing like, well, we, with this partner, we used to have sex five times a day, whatever. There's no partner. I used to have five, <laughs> sex five times a day. I was like, okay. No, um, but you know, and it's being like, well, I had a different relationship to that person. And right. different is not necessarily bad. Absolutely. Um, when Evan and I, like I was saying, when we were first together, like we were having sex so much. And so I was one of these people who is, you know, walking around. Oh God, what a cocky asshole with like all my friends just kind of like your pride. You're it's like my pride oh. when, when, when all of a sudden, like, you know, my girlfriends would be talking about like, oh my gosh, like, you know, we're struggling sexually in this way, or we only have sex this amount of times. Wow. That's so I hard. Like, yeah, that's so <laughs> difficult for you. It must be so hard when like, you don't love each other as much as we do. Like you're never going to understand our love. Um, and we were just having like, you know, that, and that was, and I carried that number with pride. Like it was like a badge that I wore. What was your number? Girl. (laughs) I mean, if you were bragging about it, then like, like, okay. Like, I mean, at the end of the day, like we had been together for numerous years and we were still having sex every day. Okay. Yeah. So it was like, you know, seven years in. Yeah. We're having sex every day. I felt pretty good about it. (laughs) Yeah. Um, but that was what I wore, like, again, as a badge of honor. And I feel like we're in this, we're in a culture that is so competitive. And we've talked about this before, especially for women. There's so much pressure on us. There's these competing messages of we're not supposed to be sexual as moms. But at the same time, if you're more sexual than your friends or than this girl or that girl, like then good on you. So it's this strange dichotomy of there right. being like a pride and being the most sexual, but then exactly. also a shame about like, it sure at the same time. Like sure don't talk about like actually what goes down in the bedroom, but like if you don't have this certain number, like you're an embarrassment to right. females. Yeah. You're like, okay, listen, like, so for us, we had, we had this, what I consider to be a high number, and I really like leaned into that. And then all of a sudden, when I got my bipolar, number crashed. Took, went off the medication, number went back up again. I was like, obviously it was just the medication. Sure. You know, this, you know that's not who it's I am. It's outside of my control. Like, yeah. Exactly. Then I got pregnant. And then I blamed it on the fact that I didn't feel like I was in my own body. Mm-hmm. Then I had the baby. It shifted. And we go through phases now. And sometimes, you know, we're having sex more frequently, but sometimes I don't feel like having sex like I used to at all. And when I was leaning so heavily into this idea of like, this is my number, I then dealt with like a lot of shame. Yeah. Like, who am I? Is my, is my partner going to question, like, his love for me? Yeah. Is he going to be looking elsewhere? Do I even know? Like, like I'd hear, like, my, my other girlfriends and throwing out their numbers, and I would be embarrassed. And, like, Miss Hotshot, who used to, like, say her number all the time, was, like, much quieter. Well, yeah, and it's hard. We've talked about this before because um, it's interesting that while there is kind of this sexual revolution and while it is uh, now more acceptable to talk openly about sex, at the same time, what I've noticed is it kind of does become this brag fest Mm -hmm. sometimes where it's just like, yeah, we can talk about sex with our friends, but I do find it uh, uh, like, you know, oh, you've never done anal? Well, I have, and I like, you know, like, (laughs) oh, I love giving blowjobs, you know, like, or oh, we have sex, you know, and it's like we don't talk about the things of like I don't I don't like you know sometimes I don't want to have sex sometimes sex is painful for me you know sometimes mm-hmm. um y- you know sometimes like we cry after sex like that, all that kind of stuff is real yeah like, absolutely the amount of times I've cried after having sex and that sounds so depressing but it's like really sometimes especially after having a baby or even not having a baby it's such an emotional raw experience mm-hmm. and sometimes Honestly, it, can, it has nothing to do with your partner, or it does. It can be, it can be, disapp- <laughs> sometimes does. It can be disappointing. It can be sad. Yeah. It can bring up emotions from past relationships. It can bring up even weird shit about relationships with your family and with your parents, your feelings about your religion or your upbringing, mm-hmm. like, you know, um, internalized shame. There is so much of this stuff that we carry inside of us that we don't feel comfortable talking about. And I know that we all deal with it. I know. Cause even just like, I see people nodding and I'm like, okay, well like, why don't we talk about 
how much we cry after sex, you know? Like, oh my God, no. You know it, what I mean? Oh yeah, no, I was like, I, I would I would hear tell. And I'm like, when it comes to like my sex life, I used to be a little bit more like, I'm a very like sensitive, emotional person. But like when it would come to my sex life, I used to just kind of like, I don't know, I would kind of turn it off. Like I just enjoyed having sex. It mm. wouldn't be like as emotional for me. Well, come pregnancy, that's all changed. Now it's totally like, I'll cry all the time. <laughs> and I was like, I never thought I was going to be that bitch. And here I am sobbing afterwards. Well, just like, Evan, I love you so much. Never leave me, please. Well, <laughs> yeah. What would I do without you? No, really, I can't live without you. But also, like, have you ever cried because you want to want to have sex, but oh. you don't? Oh, like, my God. Or you want to have sex and your partner doesn't, which yes. is totally fine. I mean, yes. let's talk about the expectations we have for men surrounding their libido. Like, and I know there's what, cause I've gotten messages about that too. Like, what if you're the one who wants to have sex and your partner doesn't? Sure. And, and all that, that shit is hard. And you put it on yourself and think, especially postpartum. Are they not attracted to me? Is my new body making them feel a certain way and he's not into it anymore? Oh yeah, absolutely. And then we have to then be generous with our male partners knowing like, hey, guess what? Even though we're the ones technically going through the fourth trimester, your partner, whether it be a male or female partner, they might not have carried the baby, yeah. but they're still with you and they care about you they're, and they're walking And they're carrying with that you. emotion and, and they're, they're carrying, carrying, yeah. Yeah, they saw you give birth. Well, and this That's is another thing. It doesn't someone up a little bit in the way of like, now I have to, I look at you in maybe a beautiful new way. Maybe it's, maybe it take is going to take a few months to transition from like seeing you as this like fertile goddess, like delivering our baby to, you know, seeing you back as like the one who's like in the sack. But like when the baby's crying in the corner, it's hard for your partner to turn that off too. Well, yeah. And also this doesn't just apply to birth too. I was going to say that because I know there are people in here who aren't moms and this applies to all life changes. And you know what? Absolutely. There also doesn't have to be a reason or excuse why things have shifted. There doesn't have to be a reason why your libido has tanked. There doesn't, you know, and we scramble sometimes to find these excuses like you said it must be because of my meds right it must be because this person passed away or and you know what's almost more crippling sometimes is when you can't figure out a reason you know and you're like why has this changed what what's wrong with me what's wrong mm -hmm. with my body mm -hmm. but everybody's different and seasons seasons pass and sometimes you do need to get help or see a therapist or yeah, you know but, but but the point is in that like in that uh with that topic I think when we were saying the numbers just like do your best to not compare your number with somebody else's. Like your number is going to be your number. Your number is going to change throughout your life. That's and okay. even the quality too. And the quality might change, but that's between you and whoever you're having sex with. It doesn't matter what your best friend thinks. It doesn't matter what Cosmo says. Like your number is your number. If you are feeling like you, your body needs something, respond to your body. And then, but from that, too, um, once you do have sometimes these libido shifts, you have to work yourself to maybe get back into the swing of things. Well, yeah. Because sometimes, like, again, we had so many messages from people saying, like, I want to want to be sexual. And, and so how do I go from or Where do I go from there? Hey, Jess, speaking of sex, you know what can be one of the biggest libido boosters? Tell me exercising yes girl this is true it's science and what is one of the best most convenient ways you can get your workout on it's open fit open fit takes all the complexity out of getting fit it's a brand new super simple streaming service that allows you to work out from the comfort of your living room in as little as 10 minutes a day we are so so grateful for a workout service that doesn't require me to get my butt to the gym and embarrass myself on all those big machines machines that i have no idea how to use and must stop and google before hopping on which takes valuable time <laughs> out of my workout no with open fit you have access to some of the greatest classes out there in the comfort of your own living room or office office or a hotel room, you take your pick. View on your computer, web-enabled TV, tablet, smartphone, and even Roku. So many workout options, too. You can work out with amazing trainers like Andrea Rogers, founder of the worldwide sensation Extend Bar, or the newest workout, Rough Around the Edges, with six of the most badass stunt women in the business. Oh, yeah, so it's dope. Fun. Yeah. <laughs> OpenFit has changed the way we work out, and by texting our code CHATTY to 303030, that's 303030, you can join us on a fitness journey personalized just for you. And right now, during the OpenFit 30-Day Challenge, our listeners get a special extended 30-day free trial membership to open 
membership to open fit when you text chatty to 30 30 30 30 you'll get full access to open fit all the workouts and nutrition information totally free again just text chatty to 30 30 30 standard message and data rates may apply yeah in our episode last week actually with kamali um yeah. the tantric episode it, she she talked a lot about this, about how you have to cultivate a relationship with yourself first. Mm-hmm. And especially if you have issues like with your, maybe your partner has a libido shift, you need to figure out how to satisfy your needs and not rely on them to be your, your sole object of sexual gratification. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, and she, we got so into it in that episode, though. That was so... I loved it. And she oh, talked yeah. a lot about how to cultivate that relationship. But what I hear time and time again is you have to get into that state of relaxation. We could get all you into do. that. But. Well, one of the questions that we received um, was, I have so many things going on in my brain as a new mom. How do I turn that off so I can be more in the moment when it comes to intimacy? Again, a question that can be rewired for anyone who's having sex in general. Um, yeah. <laughs> jobs, exactly. Definitely when it comes to mothers, all of a sudden there's this new shift and you have a little person who you have to take care of. And there's that on your brain, which is very large. Um, but like you were saying with um, Kamali and also we had an episode with uh, Dana Myers who I have the book here, this book, the mommy mojo makeover. It's definitely not just for moms. It is not just for moms. um, And she gave us some tips about how to help turn it off. So Kamali gave us tips um, in regards to meditation. And that one kind of like blew my mind because from my perspective, I was always just like, yeah, like I'll meditate, you know, when I'm stressed and Ember is going to like give me a seizure at some point and (laughs) I haven't done my taxes and I'll go outside and like some green area, like how beautiful this is and like take a few breaths and like feel very LA and then be done. Um, (laughs) Hold my crystals for a few seconds. Exactly. Put them all over my body. Not a hundred percent sure which all of them do, but like, (laughs) what do they do? But I buy them anyways because I have a problem. Um, (laughs) Put some essential oils on my vagina. No, don't do that. (laughs) Don't do that. Thank you so much, Nick. Um, <laughs> but um, but I think the the meditative piece when it comes to sexuality is like so powerful. Well, and I love what she said, which was meditation. A lot of us think it's shutting off the thoughts, but it's not about that. It's about kind of redirecting thoughts and also coming into your five senses. Mm-hmm. And so I, there's actually, I, I used to do that. There's actually one on YouTube where there's like, you can look up like meditation for sex or something like really? that. But the meditation is just like, you know, close your eyes, feel the sensation, you know, of your breath coming into your mouth, feel the touch of your clothes on your skin, smell, you know, whatever scent is in the air, you know, like Mm -hmm. open your eyes, look around at the quality of the colors around you. And that's, that's, it's really as simple as that, as being grounded in the present, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and being aware of what's happening. And a lot of times in sex, you do have to redirect your mind. And instead of thinking about what you're going to make for dinner or about that text that your friend sent you that you're pissed off about, you know, whatever. You need to reconnect and be like, what's happening right now? You know, what does it feel like when I'm kissing this person? Mm -hmm. What does this touch feel on my body? And just kind of just going back into that simplicity. Right. Well, we have so much going on in our brains, especially as women. Like, we have powerful brains. We really do. Um... (laughs) Well, and that's one sentence. of our superpowers is that we can have 10 things going on at once. Exactly. That's why they say, you know, we're it's like multitaskers. Exactly. It's something that's like such an unbelievable benefit that we have as ladies, but it also can be just such a hindrance with sex. So with that meditation, what you were saying, like the breathing in and out, like when you do that, and even if you're just telling yourself in a meditative way, like my body is beautiful and you do that for 10 minutes. I was having a, a mini meltdown yesterday full body meltdown yesterday really oh my god out of nowhere i had been feeling like post all of our episodes i've been like (laughs) i'm feeling myself so hard i'm a powerful woman i love tantra now you know whatever and (laughs) and i'm a tantric expert i'll be teaching my workshop next week i talked to an expert about it for one hour so now i know everything um but uh i was just having like such a body meltdown was there something that triggered it Uh uh-huh yeah. Um, 
uh, bathing suit shopping for Mexico. Yay. It was horrible. But, you know, but the thing is, it was horrible, and I let it be horrible to me. Yeah. And it wasn't horrible because, you know what? I have a beautiful body. But the thing is, I have a lot of damage that's gone on in my brain from growing up, certain body dysmorphia I have, so it's just like this major battle that I fight all the time. So... Here I am post this talk. And sometimes I feel like a damn hypocrite because we'll have these conversations with you guys on the podcast and I'll be like, yes, power women. Yeah, I know. And then I'll go back into my room and be like, look at you. Yesterday, I'm trying on these bathing suits, and I'm just, like, so frustrated because, like, a couple weeks ago, they fit well, and then they're tight, and I've been trying hard, too, and, you you know, God, those days, and, um, and I just, I just derobed. I just went, I got fully naked, get all this tight shit off of me, and I hopped onto my bed, and I started doing what Kamali said, and I started, like, breathing and just being like, your body is beautiful. Your body is beautiful. And I think I maybe did that for, it felt like an hour, but it was maybe like four minutes. (laughs) (laughs) But it really, really did help me. And sometimes you have to do that literally while you're having sex or while you're masturbating. I've done it before. Not the, I have totally, definitely equal struggles, but completely different. Um, You're having sex and you're like, my body is beautiful. (laughs) Whispering whispering in Grayson's ear. (laughs) This is a confident woman. No, it's actually more, um, I struggle more with like guilt and shame. Actually, I, I mean, I take that back. Definitely in the first couple months postpartum, um, there was a period where I felt hideous and I literally, it was, it was, I didn't want to go to the beach and I know you talked about it before and, um, I had never struggled with that and I, I really like can't, um, that sounds so bitchy. I'm like, I can't imagine dealing with that like all the time. No, but like I always felt very confident. And then all of a sudden I felt like the rug was pulled out from under me. And suddenly I was like, I, I literally didn't want to look in the mirror because every time I would walk past a mirror, I would feel disgusted in myself. And um, that was really fucking hard. And the, like you said, that inner dialogue. But what I deal with more with sex is guilt and shame. And especially somebody asked a question on the forum, which was like, help, I feel guilty now after having a baby every time after I have sex. And that's a whole other thing about being programmed to think that moms aren't supposed to have sex or moms aren't supposed to be sexual or whatever. Um, But sometimes literally, it's easier for me to get a little bit more caught up in the moment while I'm having sex. But sometimes if I'm masturbating, I literally have to say in my head, like, I am allowed to feel pleasure. Mm. I am allowed to feel good. Like I am allowed to touch myself. Mm. I mean, this is like really kind of difficult to admit, but sometimes I literally have to say that over and over again in my head, like how Mm. you're saying my body is beautiful and just repeating it in my head over and over again. Like I am allowed to feel good. I am like, you know, pleasure is good for me, all these different kind of things, but it, really actually does help Mm -hmm. I really believe that there is a difference if we were to have that inner dialogue whatever each of us needs to hear every day for even just one minute I really believe that it can rewire the way we think about ourselves and the think about what we do and the things we struggle with I completely agree Um, and then as far as getting out of your head as well so there's the meditative practices and then also Dana spoke with us um about and if you haven't listened to our mom sex episode i really liked i loved her she just has like such great energy too um but she and ta- great hair and great hair just crazy um hair. but uh we, we talked about how you need to ask per like uh give yourself permission yes. to make requests like as mom as women we're kind of wired to be like we got it all I can handle everything. I'm never going to ask for help. And especially when it comes to a baby, you're like, it's my, I'm the mother. I have to do all this. Um, but if your husband or your partner is willing to put the baby to bed and you can have that moment like Dana was talking about, ask your husband to take the baby, put the kids to bed, and then you can have like an hour have a glass of wine. She was talking about dancing in front of the mirror, which I loved. <laughs> yes. 
you so know, I was just reading a post yourself. the yeah. other day, actually, that said, um, I used to think I was bad at meditation. And then I realized my form of meditation was in dance. And I really liked that. Oh, she was wow. like, I can't sit still. And I know some of us are like, that. I can't sit still and just yeah. be in my head. I need to move. And she was talking about how moving and just like dancing to music helped her get back into her body, which I really oh, love. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. But, so that's, yeah, that's, an, that's a way, like a practical way that you can just kind of get out of your head. It's well, like you got to give yourself that hour. Like, of course, especially when you have a new baby. Like, I remember when Ember, I mean, and you're in that phase right now, too. When Ember is, like, literally sucking on my tit for, like, hours, and then all of a sudden I put her down, and for after five seconds, God bless you, babe, you're coming up behind me and, like, grabbing me. I'm just, like, excuse You get this bodily reaction. And like, he's, and, like, he's trying to just be, like, sweet and romantic, and I'm just, like, I don't want anybody to touch me right now. Like, I just want to be free and be alone. And if I would have asked, and now I'm doing it, and that's good, but if I w- <laughs> But if I were to ask... Now you can touch her, Evan. <laughs> you have permission. Um, but if if I were to have just been like, hey, sweetie, like, can you do the dishes? Can you clean up the mess? And can I just go into the bath, have a nice time for like 30 minutes, listen to some romantic music, start thinking about us in the bedroom? Like, I'm going to be in a much better headspace than when milk is squirting out and then just trying to hop into that with no sense of foreplay. Well, and this, most of us just aren't wired that way. This applies to non-moms too. I yeah. really want to emphasize that. You 100% have the right, I think, to ask. I mean, we are different. We are wired differently than men. And I know that's another thing that some women pride themselves on. We're like, I don't need foreplay. Like, I am mm-hmm. ready to go wet in 10 <laughs> seconds. And I'm like, I'm not. Like, no. I'm going to be dry for about six or seven <laughs> minutes if you're not doing anything. But... um. So non-moms too, you have the right and you have permission to ask for what you need to prepare yourself to. So if you need to say, can you wash the dishes? Yeah, no, I know we don't have a kid, but that's going to be on my mind the whole time. And I think you want me enjoying this. So can you do the dishes so I can take a bath? You know, it's like, sure. When you walk in straight from work before the kid, when I like walk in straight from work, I'm like, I need a solid hour before you even make eye contact. (laughs) (laughs) I need to have my time. It's like that, uh, that sex in the city episode. You know, when she when she's dating Aiden, anybody? And she's just like, don't talk to me for an hour. I need my saltines and my magazines. Like, you need that to be there. I wish I had practiced it before having a kid, actually. And I think that that's, a, that's really good advice to non-moms is practice now before you have a baby. Yeah. Practice asking for what you need. Practice taking time for yourself. Practice setting time aside to not go through your phone, to not worry about work, to mm-hmm. not, you know, be micromanaging hundred different things in your head at once. Uh, I think if I had done that before, it would have really set me up well for then when I had a baby and really had to prioritize time for myself and to have sex. Oh yeah. And you told me about a study that I thought was amazing yes. about a way to boost your libido that actually has nothing to do with sex. So you would, so you would think. Yeah. So I was listening to this Ted talk, uh, recently and I believe her name is Pam Costa and she, uh, did all this research, scientific studies, uh, because she started to struggle with her libido and she didn't really know how to fix it. She went to all these different therapists and, um, sometimes that stuff can make it worse too when you're overthinking it and putting pressure on yeah, yourself. Sometimes. Like, but what she started to notice is that she's like, I'm trying to get in with these therapists and these sex therapists are booked out for months. Mm. Uh, what does that say that there's a need for sex therapists, <laughs> right? So she started to go, and then one day she's like, I'm going to really, I'm going to be vulnerable and open up to my friends about it. And I texted a couple friends and said like, hey guys, I've been struggling with my libido in this way, but I started to go to this sex therapist and they're helping me in ABC. And would you ever want to get together and talk about it? And she said all of her friends right away messaged her back and were like, uh, yeah where should we go? (laughs) And she said that they like got in their yoga pants and like went to the park because like they didn't want to tell their husbands or having like a secret meeting to talk about their sex lives. I love that. Right. (laughs) And so they said they got together and it was like this communal all of a sudden and it took one, it took her just to kind of open it up. And then all of a sudden she's looking around all her friends who she thought like their lives were like going peachy keen and all of a sudden you're hearing all these different struggles and then also some victories, some like I'm doing way better and you know, da da da. But all of a sudden when she realized that there was like this intimacy with them, she started to say, let's get together every week. 
and they'd get together every week. And she said in a few weeks, she started to notice that she was having an increased libido. So she started doing studies on it, like scientific research. And they found out that within four weeks, if women get together regularly in groups and have open discussions about their sex life, your arousal and your libido will go up by at least 25% in four weeks. So this was, so when you first told me about it, I actually thought it was just about women meeting with other women, but it's specifically talking about uh, sex Specifically talking about okay. sex. Yeah, oh no, not just like, hey, let's, I mean, it's great. Let's get together and chat and whatever. But something like, like for instance, something like Peanut is a, a place where you can do it. You like, you know, obviously you have your friends from work, whatever. I don't know if you want to like share with your work friends about your sex life. But like you can have a safe space. You can meet other women, other moms, whoever, where you can just either get together, even if you can't do it every week, but like every few weeks get together and like catch up. This is how I'm doing. I'm going to be honest. But it does take someone to be really vulnerable and be like, I'm going to be the one to put it out there. Um, and it's definitely like a scary, weird thing. But like once you start, ooh, you feel yeah. good. Yeah. I think it would be a good challenge too to have a conversation with your friends and make it a safe place where you could say, hey, for 10 minutes, we're only going to talk about the stuff that's not going great. Because you know there's that always that one person in the group. <laughs> there's always the one person who's sitting there. I had a friend like that when I was going through relationship issues yeah. right after we got pregnant. And I was like, you know, honestly, like I'm having a really hard time. Like great does this or great is that. And she goes... Well, like, wow. <laughs> she goes, you know, the thing I love about Bob is that Bob <laughs> always does this. And I was just like, and she's bitch, like, this is not helpful right now. Like, you're making me feel like oh, I should yeah. leave, Gray. Like, I'll never have a Bob like you do, you know? I was like, Gotta but, go out there and find me a Bob. But that would be a good, like, that would be a good challenge to be like, hey, let's all just talk for 10 minutes about our struggles. And then let's all for right. 10 minutes talk about our victories well, like at of, the same time. One of the rules that um, she made when they initially had gotten together is number one. Oh, and this is a tough one. No advice. Oh, no advice. So no one in the group. I'm horrible at that. <laughs> I'm always like, let me give you advice. I mean, I haven't tried it myself, but it might help you, you know? No, but it, like, but can you imagine like sitting together with like a group of your girlfriends and like no one's going to say to you like you know what you should try this. Oh, I just love that. let you like just be able to voice. I struggle with this. I'm uncomfortable masturbating. My husband and I have struggle. Like you know I don't orgasm. Whatever. Yeah. And like nobody going like well have you tried doing it this mm, way? Yeah. Just putting it out there. And then when you hear other people's stories, advice just happens naturally. I think that's probably why we like podcasts so much is because you're just hearing other people's stories. It's true. You don't have somebody talking at you exactly. trying to fix your issues. Exactly. Hopefully we aren't doing that. <laughs> I mean, sometimes. <laughs> but yeah, no, I really do think that that's something that like could be a really good thing practically that everyone can do regardless of motherhood, yes. anything. Yes. So, and it also just starts a really good conversation in general. Like let's destigmatize certain things. Let's destigmatize the idea of that moms don't still like to like take their top off and run around the house and get wild with their partner. Yeah. Let's also destigmatize the Or fact your top's off all the time because you're breastfeeding. That was the That's other side true. of it, too. <laughs> That's also true. But yeah, no, I thought that that was like such an interesting study. Let's take a hot minute to talk about the comfiest, cutest flats I own. She's wearing them right now. I'm wearing them right now. The flats somehow made out of recycled plastic water bottles. My new go-to, Rothy's. Rothy's are the everyday flats for life on the go. They're stylish and versatile, and they go with everything from yoga pants to dresses and skirts. Rothy's comes in a wide range of colors and patterns, and they're available in four different silhouettes. Plus, they're constantly launching new styles, so you're guaranteed to find a pair or three that mm. you love. And when I say constantly, I mean they launch new colors and patterns every few weeks. It's amazing. Um, I love me some shoes that are not only supportive, but also stylish and, of course, environmentally friendly. And considering they're made from plastic water bottles, I mean, it's yes. just a win-win-win. It's going to blow your mind that they're that they're made from recycled plastic water bottles, honestly. In fact, Rothy's has diverted over 25 million water bottles from landfills. Oh, and one of my most favorite things, they're fully machine washable. Every time you need a refresh, just toss them in the washing machine. It's like getting a fresh pair every laundry day. And if you have kids, this is a lifesaver and money saver big time. Or if you're like me and somehow just get your shoes dirty every three weeks, you'll quickly discover why BuzzFeed called them 
their forever shoes. And check out all the amazing styles available right now at rothys.com slash chatty. Go to rothys, R-O-T-H-Y-S dot com slash chatty to get your new favorite flats. Comfort, style, and sustainability. These are the shoes you've been waiting for. Head to rothys.com slash chatty today. Can yeah. we talk about one more topic? Because I think it's really fun. Yes, um, And then should we open it up just like if anyone has a question? Yeah. We can do that too. Sure. That might be fun. Sure. Um, we got a couple questions about having sex in front of your child or while your child... Not in front of your child. That sounds horrible. <laughs> that's how they worded it. Their words, not mine. <laughs> like having sex, that's... No, not like yeah. that. But like... We had questions about that. Have yes. you had sex with your child in the room? Like up until what age is it okay? Yes. Of course, Jess, because she's so good about her research, looked up what experts said for like <laughs> how many months. But, I did, um, yes. I know, I know both of us have. That like when your kid's a baby, yeah. sometimes I knew for the first couple months, I didn't even want to put her in the other room. Like I no, felt uncomfortable, yeah. even if she was in a safe place, like even with a monitor, I was like, I had this like primal... Is primal the right word? Maybe not. I think so. I had this sense that I needed her close to me at all times. Mm-hmm. And if, and I really could not get out of my head otherwise if we yeah. were having sex. I just, uh, my head would start, what, what is she doing? Like, what's going to, is something going to happen? Like, is she upset? Does she need me? I feel guilty because I'm putting myself before her right now. And I needed her in the room with me the first two months. I sure, really did. Yeah. And some, and I think we talked about on the podcast, the first time that we had sex, she was literally nursing on my boob while we were having sex and you know what it it ended up being a great experience we didn't repeat it again but it ended (laughs) up being a good experience because I felt that she was safe and taken care of Mm -hmm. and then that allowed me to feel free to enjoy myself and yeah you know honestly like that that first like you know 10 months of your child's life like you're good it's okay your baby's not like experts say experts say (laughs) you're okay you're not going to traumatize your child you know now once you get past the one like you know (laughs) when the baby's taking a nap you're gonna have to like plan and regulate a little bit more but like when your baby is four months old and they're in a little bassinet next to you and you have a moment to finally be intimate with your partner and it feels like that's what you want take full advantage of that yeah don't worry don't feel guilty it's okay the baby came into the world by sex have it again. Yeah. <laughs> You're okay. Yeah. But there is a lot of guilt and I, I definitely felt weird, you know, the first time. That... I feel weird saying it right now. I'm oh, like, I always feel oh, weird about my, it. Like my, my like... butt clenches. I'm just like, <laughs> yeah. oh, I don't want to admit that. You oh know? yeah. No. And the thing is like, it's just, I don't know. It just ends up changing. Then when the baby gets older too, it's like now, you know, Ember's three and a half and we just set her up and lock ourselves in a room when she's awake. You know what I Put mean? Put her in front like, of her show. No, I was going to ask No, that. that's when, when you... screen time is wonderful. Yeah, <laughs> I, was, I was going to ask, when do you have sex now? Like, um, well, I mean, obviously once she goes, oh, here's the problem. Sometimes there's a difference between like, what are we going to prioritize sleep or sex? Uh. So I would say sometimes <laughs> nighttime, and that's what my plan is normally, but normally she goes, I put her down and I'm just like, ooh, wine. And I'm like snoring like <laughs> when it's like halfway down. That's how Grayson is. Grayson's like, I'm going to get in bed and I'll meet you there. And I'm like, bitch, you are going to be out the moment I get in bed. Shut up. He's just passed I love out. Um, I get in bed. I'm just like, ugh, again. You, like I prepared myself and he's just snoring. <laughs> Um, yeah, no, I think though, like for us, it's, we'll have sex at nighttime, but the thing is, it's again, now something, and Dana talked about this, it's something that you kind of have to schedule a little bit. Does that feel unromantic to talk about? Sure. But why? Just because, again, in our earlier years, when we were teenagers and had no responsibility, yeah, we were able to just have sex whenever because that's like all that life was at a certain point, you know. (laughs) But now you have responsibilities, you have a job, you have kids, like your partner has a job, whatever. So you have to try to schedule it. And it can be, like we said, very romantic. It can also be fun, too. Yeah. Like Gray the other day was like, oh, is today tonight when when we scheduled sex? And it's kind of like this funny thing. I'm like, yeah, you can like text each other about it all day. You can sext all day. Day. that's so fun <laughs> yeah no yeah. Evan and I'll sometimes just start sexing each other and then like by the time he's like gets home and like the baby's down like like we're having sex now because I'm gonna fall asleep in 30 minutes after we eat dinner um but definitely we we will have sex when we have screen time with Ember 
mornings, she wakes up, it's early, and I'll turn a show on, and it's like, <laughs> mom and dad are locked in the other room. Dude, she's safe. She's very loud. I'll hear her if there's a problem. <laughs> She'll be th- like Evan pushing telling- notes underneath the door and like banging on the door, shaking if there's an issue. And it's happened before. Don't get me wrong. That's always fun, the halfway stop. I'm just like, whoops, sorry, Evan, got to go. <laughs> oh, that's another thing. That's, that's one of the biggest things for me yeah. that has changed uh, after having a kid is the stopping. You just have to accept that your sex may be interrupted yes. and you can resume later you, you can just call resume it later. you just call it the hard tease yes. you know and it's just you know like, what give your partner freedom to finish himself or herself give them freedom to do that don't get no i'm serious though you know what i mean like this is, i'm over here like no I'm not, no i'm not saying no i'm you're but right i'm saying I but think i'll be like you better you better wait until you later wait. otherwise you're but not gonna want to have sex later but the thing is sometimes you know then you just don't have sex later that's true. You know, I know with us, we don't. I'll be like, all right, let's resume this later and come 8 p.m. And I'm just like, it's not going to happen. So if your partner has permission, I'm not saying like shove their hand on it and be like, yeah, you take care. <laughs> no, but, I was but cheekily disagreeing with you. <laughs> like, no, I do agree. But if there's all of a sudden that moment where there's in that freedom with your partner that, you know, masturbation is okay. Like it's not, you know, it's th- this is you guys were starting to have sex. Your precious baby interrupted you. Let them feel the freedom finish it off and then you can resume your and they can take care of you later or you can take care of yourself later yeah that's a whole other topic too is that sometimes like when you have a baby you don't get to have sex when you want to have sex and just recognize that your partner masturbating has nothing to do with them not wanting to have sex with you exactly and that's the whole different topic that's been a huge journey and we have to talk about that at some point too but that was a big journey for me i used to take that very personally especially growing up in a very conservative home when I would find out that my partner was masturbating, it would I would be like, it's because of me. He doesn't find me attractive. I'm not enough. Da, 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 da. But you know what? It's just like, again, we're all humans. We all have different bodies. Like we need different things. And, if, and sometimes if, you don't want to go through the emotional, yeah. like all the stuff of having sex with somebody else. Sometimes you just want to kick back. And it's relax. all about communication, right? Yep. So yep. if so long as you're having this healthy communication with your partner, and if you're uncomfortable with the amount of times that they're doing it, you can sit down and have like a very open conversation. Do your best not to to take it personally and just yep. be like, hey, what's going down so often? Like, <laughs> love you. Can I help out? Or like, yeah. what's the deal? You know, <laughs> it's just a healthy conversation. Yeah. I think all this comes down to open communication and just honesty. Yeah. So it all loops back to. Well, I think we have a few minutes left. Okay. So should we do like one or two questions? Yeah, if anybody have to? a question, if nobody wants to ask a question, that's totally fine. Yeah, no pressure. But if anybody has one. Oh, yeah. Yes. Give- This is definitely probably a whole other podcast episode uh, in itself, but I really struggle with this too because I definitely felt that same way where every time my mom would, like I could tell this tone of voice she would get where she would start talking about sex and I would just be like, please stop, please stop, please stop, please stop. But also she didn't start talking to me about it until I was a certain age. And I think what I want to do is create more of an open dialogue that's age appropriate at a much younger age. And I've noticed that with Jess and Evan, when people are talking about sex, like I remember sex was like a bad word sort of in my house until a certain age. I've noticed that you don't stop people from talking about sex. I mean, obviously not graphic descriptions, um, but the casual mention of sex and stuff, you don't try to like cover Ember's ears or anything like that. And I feel like that's really healthy of starting to open dialogue at a young age. Very simple, like I said, age appropriate explanations. But I plan on um, just having dialogue at a much uh, younger age, open conversation, much younger. So then it's not you're springing it on them in puberty when they've already learned stuff from their friends in elementary school, you know, and... I, I want to be the first person that my child hears about sex from, not right. some weird fourth grader on the playground. Exactly. It's like, like that the mean girl's mom thing. Like, if you're going to do it here, right. if you're going to do it, just do it here. You know, whatever. No, I, I, I think, that, yeah, I feel the exact same way. Like, I think um, when sex is this, like, forbidden topic with your kid, all of a sudden, like, you know what happens. It becomes more like a, huh. 
what's that about? And there's more curiosity. And then you start finding out from random kids. I remember when I found out about sex and I was in kindergarten on the playground and this like, sorry guy, but this weird boy I went to school with, like, he, like I said, weird kid on the playground. He was a weird kid. And he started talking about like, like very like vivid pornographic things that he had walked in on his sister watching pornography. And I'm just like, what are you talking about? Like, I have no idea. I don't even know what sex is. And so that's the first time I heard about it. So then when I went to my mom and I was like, I heard. And I think it was something like anal was the first time. And my mom, you know, she, sure, I would probably have reacted the same way to give her credit. It was just like, whoa, 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 whoa. We just don't talk about that. And you just didn't say anything. So then it becomes I would be like, thing. who is this kid telling you about this? Like, I, I mean, almost said his name. Point. I'm not going to. <laughs> like, Sir. Um, but, uh, but no, she was very upset about that. But, um, but I think because then it just wasn't a, she didn't receive it in a way that was kind of like, okay, well, let's talk about, like, actually what it's supposed to look like. Like, let's talk about, like, this in a in a safe way. It was just, like, we don't talk about it. That then all of a sudden I'm feeling super curious and I'm going back to school kind of being like, yo, buddy, tell me more about that thing. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm curious. And so um, and so I think with, with, like, Ember, for instance, like, if you are the one who's going to be explaining it first, again, in, like, very, like, simple age-appropriate method, then they're not learning it from people. And then let's just say your kid comes to you one day and is like, so I heard about this and says, you know, some sex-specific thing. Do your best to not react. Yeah, I think also... Don't make them feel shame. Yeah, don't make it a negative uh, uh, reaction. Mm -hmm. Also, I know this is really uncomfortable to talk about, but um, children children start masturbating, sometimes even babies... Uh, masturbate Mm -hmm. and that's very normal and I think that that's actually a really good starting ground to have a conversation because you'll notice little three-year-old boys I used to nanny them he would be like humping the couch and I'm like oh my god like how do I yeah like what is do I tell his parents it's pure they don't know what they're doing and so I think that that's a really good starting ground to have a conversation with your child of like oh does that feel good well that's actually you know like you talk about these are private parts and so you can do that but in private we don't but you can talk about how like it's okay to feel good and it's okay to make yourself feel good Mm -hmm, and I think mm -hmm. if I had had that conversation at a very young age it would have totally reprogrammed my brain now so that I I wouldn't have guilt and shame surrounding just the simple act of making myself feel good no I agree I remember the first time that I like I was probably like five when I like like bumped into a couch or something and I was like whoa what's bumped that into about? a couch with my <laughs> vagina yeah. <laughs> yeah. and it was like but I wasn't like feeling safe to like talk about it with my mother so at a young age I'm like going behind closed doors on a regular basis just like enjoying myself because I was like this feels good but I you know I can't I'm bumping not putting... into couches all over the place exactly just like trying to find furniture everywhere <laughs> but like but because you know again it wasn't necessarily this like very open communication when I was younger I would do it in secret and then that resulted in shame so then at an older age it took me a long time to be like no masturbating's okay I don't have to feel shameful about it but because I felt like I had to do it behind closed doors it resulted in shame and anything behind closed doors especially when it comes to your children is not great. I also can't imagine, I mean, like I said, this may be weird and uncomfortable for some people and you may be like, whoa, but I can't imagine if my mom had said something of like, oh yeah, I do that too, but we do that privately and that's okay. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. honestly, like if my mom had said like, yeah, I do that too and it feels good and that's okay, but we just don't do it in front of people. Like that would, I mean, my life would be oh, very yeah. different now, you it's, know? It's, and a, it's, it's like, a long conversation. I definitely uh, will be having a uh, sex expert when it comes to childhood development, come on the podcast at some point and we'll get into it. But, but once again, honesty, yeah. honesty, honesty with your children, communication. age appropriate, honesty and open communication yeah. and allowing for that. Yeah. All right. Maybe one last question. One if last does one, any, one if has anybody one. has a question, if not, we'll, yeah, if not, we can totally wrap it. Cool. Okay. See, little baby. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you guys so much. Thank you for, for peanut, for yes. putting this all together. Thank you guys for coming. We appreciate you all. Yeah.
We love you, broads. Yeah, thank you so much. If, and, the, if, it's, uh, if everyone's a broad, we love all you broads. And if you're not a broad, become one. Chatty yes. Broads, that's the podcast. And uh, <laughs> we talk Bachelor, Bachelorette recaps. Um, whew, you guys, very excited about this coming oh episode. Um, I wish we could have a whole separate discussion about that. Oh, we will one day. We can talk over mimosas. <laughs> Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, we talk about all sorts of other things under the sun. So tune yeah. in if you're listening to the pod. Yeah. Thanks so much. 